Welcome to Flyover Conservative Podcast with David and Stacey Whited, where we break down current events and examine culture through the lens of conservative Christian values. Let's take a... Amazing. Thank you. Thank you for doing this. Really appreciate it. I'm Daniel Schmidt. I'm a freshman at the University of Chicago. My question is for Ms. Applebaum. Um, So in 2020, you wrote, those who live outside the Fox News bubble do not, of course, need to learn any of the stuff about Hunter Biden, referring to his laptop, of course. Uh, A poll later after that found that if voters knew about the content of the laptop, 16% of Joe Biden voters would have acted differently. Now, of course, we know a few weeks ago, the New York Times confirmed that the content is real. Do you think the media acted inappropriately when they instantly dismissed uh, Hunter Biden's laptop as Russian disinformation? And what can we learn from that in ensuring that what we label as disinformation is truly disinformation and not reality? I, my, my problem with Hunter Biden's laptop is, I think, totally irrelevant. I mean, it's not whether it's disinformation or, I mean, I don't think the Hunter Biden's um, business relationships have anything to do with who should be president of the United States. So I, I, didn't fi- I don't find it to be interesting. I mean, that, that would be my problem with the, that as a, as a major news story. Uh, we're going to talk about more of this uh, tomorrow in our first uh, panel, so stand by. Um, and I, I think we have run out of time. Wow. You know, uh, the young man in that clip, uh, he's going to be joining us here in just a moment. He's from the University of Chicago. He's a freshman. Um, you know, you hear this term a lot, uh, speaking truth to power, but it's rarely done. It's typically done by somebody being in an echo chamber in a circular high five environment. Mm-hmm. Um, very rarely do you find people that have the courage to say what needs to be said and to legitimately speak uh, truth to power. Um, not only is in that clip, you had a full featured mm-hmm. uh top-to-bottom uh, opinion article in the Epic Times this past week and has been on most of the uh, uh, conservative news outlets uh, telling his story and bringing some 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 insight. Shedding some light. Shedding some light in, a, in an area that needs it badly. Uh, Daniel Schmidt. Yay! Welcome, Daniel. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's really Uh, We are so honored to have you on the show today. Excited about what you're doing. Way to have a voice in this time. This is so important. It's it's got to catch up our our listeners. You were a freshman. Now it's summer break, but you were a freshman at the University of Chicago. You you wrote for the school paper. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. And you were doing something that journalists used to do, which is show up and ask what what might be the obvious, but also sometimes the... uh, the, the scary question to those in, in power and specifically to this issue, it's interesting that uh, the New York Times, that that they would not find uh, – the New York Post was censored from every social media platform for mentioning the story of Hunter Biden's laptop. That's the oldest newspaper in America, and they were deplatformed until they basically repented and begged for forgiveness and, and capitulated uh, – that's a big story. They did not find that interesting or that their viewers would find that interesting. You did mention it. And it looked like it frazzled them a little bit. Yeah, well, look, I'll give some context. People like so this was Ann Applebaum, the Atlantic journalist. People like her, they go to these elite universities. You, you know, U Chicago is one of the top schools in the country or whatever. I don't really consider it like that when you see how the school treats um, conservative voices. But regardless, they go to schools like this and, you know, they expect very easy questions from most students because most sure. students want to join the the elite class that people like Applebaum are are in. And so they go there, you know, they, they, they cash in a very fat check and they don't expect much resistance. And so 
if any students just ask remotely a critical question, it doesn't have to be a super hard question. It doesn't have to be one that requires you know, immense critical thinking. It can just be a very basic question like, do you think the media was wrong to immediately dismiss the Hunter Biden laptop story, which is what I asked. If you just ask a question like that, they're immediately thrown off because they're not expecting that any kids, I guess, will have the courage or even, you know, the the slight resistance needed to ask a question like that. And I think her answer speaks for, for itself. I mean, number one, it shows she was totally unprepared. It also shows she's just totally, you know, arrogant and just displays yeah. this sort of elitism that is so common to so many Americans where, you know, American, the American people, they care about what the president of the United States was involved in. I mean, I don't need to go through all the details because I'm sure we're all familiar. But what is on what is on Hunter Biden's laptop is very incriminating and very yep. important yep. and relevant to the presidency. And so and for interesting. Anna, yes. One, Sorry. And interest, interesting. And interesting. I mean, People want to know. Her, her claim, I just didn't find it interesting or relevant. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what? It total, it's just like, it's, it's totally, it's totally a mockery of like the American journalism uh, field in general mm-hmm. and just totally disgusting. And just to see her totally throw it off and just say, I don't really care. It just speaks for itself. And just to put the icing on the cake. Um, so the paper I wrote for, as you mentioned, our Twitter account was actually blocked by her about a week later. So not only does she, you know, not answer a question, she didn't, she didn't block students because she doesn't want to hear from them anymore. This is not one of the leading journalists in America acts, right? I mean, Anna, wow. Anna Applebaum has won Pulitzer Prizes. She's highly esteemed. She she blocks us on Twitter. She blocks a bunch of kids. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I mean, again, it speaks for itself. I don't really know what else I need to say about that. It's, it's pretty disgusting, though. That is wild. So as she's going along to these elite colleges uh, from this article that we read in the Epic Times, it sounds like there's probably not a lot of people challenging her. There's not a lot of people that are kind of stepping out from the crowd. They're just kind of following into suit. Based on this article, you were talking about how compliant college students are today, especially in these elite environments. Fill us in on that. Why do you think that is? Yeah, well, it's a very important question. And I guess just to sort of demonstrate that, I'll give an anecdote that I I wrote in the article. Um, So my school had just ended the mask mandate like three months ago, right? Totally late to the party. We finally ended it. Students (laughs) don't wear masks. I go to class the next day. It's a pretty large lecture hall, maybe fits 100, 150 people. The professor, who's pretty old, he's in the front of the class, very far away. He says, look, I know the mask mandate was just ended, but I would really appreciate it if you guys wore masks. And keep in mind, all of the students walked in not wearing masks. As soon as the professor says that, every single one, every single kid, I kid you not, around me puts a mask on. And it was just totally automatic. It was totally robotic. It it genuinely made me feel like not at ease. It made me feel very distraught. And that's just one example. And, you know, I see kids wearing masks outside. I see kids wearing masks while, you know, eating alone. I mean, it is totally is totally robotic. And, you know, as, as to why I think it is, I think it's an interesting question. I think, you know, personally, these students are so focused and so hell bent on making it into the elite class. They'll do whatever it takes to make it into the elite class. You know, I give another example. So many of these students want to work at like top investment companies like sure. uh, Bain or McKinsey. And to do that, they need to basically submit themselves to wokeism, which means, you know, saying their pronouns whenever they need to, uh, participating in diversity training, which basically makes white people apologize for being white. The list goes on and on. These students 
They just care about making a lot of money. They just want to be powerful. And so to make it up into those ranks, they obviously have to submit and comply with whatever is demanded of them. They're not going to rebel because that's obviously not going to help their chances. And so they're very obedient, despite being some of the most intelligent students in the country, right? right. These are students who are scoring perfect SAT scores, you know, high IQs. And yet you just see total obedience that any sane person would just laugh at. But so that's why I think it's happening, because these students are just so focused on making it into the elite class. They'll do whatever it takes to, to do that. I think a lot of times why somebody is, is admitted into a school with with those kind of, uh, you know, s- small numbers that are they're allowed, high rejection rates. They've been preparing for that for a long time. They've been mm-hmm. in preparatory schools, boarding schools. You know, they, they, they know the game, you know, by that point. Exactly. Like you said, let me ask you a question. Do you consider it racist to judge another person strictly based on their skin color? Yes. Uh, do you feel definition like of racism? Yes. Do you, kind of make sure we agree on the language here. Do you feel like you've been judged and treated differently based on, on your skin color uh, at, at an elite university? Oh, 100%. I mean, I'll give another example that I had in my article. My very first month in college, I was banned from participating in a debate tournament because I was white. And they were totally open about it. They said this tournament is close to people who are white because we think there are racial inequities in the system and therefore we need to ban white people. So to combat racism, let's ban white people. That's their logic. That was my first month in college. Now I want to, I want to welcome the university of Chicago. Yeah. And I want to preface this by saying, you know, I come from a very small town in Tennessee, my high school graduating class, 50% didn't go to college. You know, I come from a very middle America, low middle America, low class area. And so my very first sort of experience in an elite world was being banned from a debate tournament because I was white. And that kind of showed me, okay, this is how things work in the highly cultured and highly, um, you know, educated world. We'll ban you because you're white. And, you know, that's not racism. That's just, you know, correcting the system, I guess. Wow. Um, I'll read a a quote from your article. It said, to be more specific, uh, I said, I mean, middle-class students of European ancestry. Um, I've met several middle-class Hispanic students who appeared white but marked Hispanic on their college applications, earning them a sizable increase in their acceptance rate thanks to affirmative action. You say the the, the, the look of your school, there's, there's very wealthy children and very poor children that are entering the school. Um, but not very many Caucasian? Middle, middle class, class that you would consider like both parents working, the dad's a heating air conditioning guy in, in Kansas City somewhere. And like the odds of a child coming from that sort of a home uh, sounds like be very slim and not very welcoming. Oh, 100%. And I think that that clarification is important because I come from a single parent household. I'm, I'm pretty low income. And so I think, honestly, if I'm being honest, that's probably how I got in. It's because I'm low income. The university saw yeah. me. They're like, hey, this is going to help our statistics. We can say we have more low income students. That's personally why I think I was admitted. But yeah, if you're middle class, again, I have not met a single middle class white kid. I've met middle class black kids, middle class Hispanic kids, even middle class Asian kids because they're discriminated, of course. But middle class white people, People, they're not getting in now. You could say, well, maybe they're not getting the the you know the good test scores, but I find that hard to believe because again, I see middle class people of other races. So if I had to speculate, I mean, this is me speculating, but I really think there is some sort of deliberate agenda. The people running these colleges, they realize middle class white people from middle America, they're the ones who are most likely to support Trump. They're the ones who have parents who are patriotic, who are Christian, who you know 
and, and the kid's actually going to be, you know, faithful and stay true to the country. And they don't want admitting those kids because they, again, they want obedient corporate and political slaves. And so that's just me speculating. It could not be true. But from what I'm seeing, it's I, I think there has to be something going on. And if you actually look at the numbers, you can actually you uh, you can find empirical evidence of this from 2020, um, you know, the year of George Floyd and BLM to 2021. At all universities, you see a decrease in the number of white students admitted. This is a deliberate agenda from the top to exclude white kids. And it just so happens that it's almost always middle class whites because rich white people, you know, they get into connections and they have, you know, prep school backgrounds. Sure. Mm-hmm. And then again, the poor whites. You know, it helps the numbers. It allows the school to brag about, oh, we're helping the poor. But these middle class whites, you know, they're the ones who are constantly being blamed for racism and for all the problems facing America. And again, it's kind of what Trump tapped in in 2020 and 2016. They're again being blacklisted from elite institutions. Okay, I have to ask this as a last question. So the last 60 seconds, you know, I know that listeners have got to be thinking, how could Daniel be so courageous in this time? I mean, to stand up against, you know, what's kind of going on with the elite colleges, what caused this to happen in you? Why did you decide to stand up and actually speak out? Sure. Well, you know, I want to begin by saying I don't see myself as courageous. I just think I'm doing what, you know, I feel like I'm doing what is in my heart and what I feel is right. But you know, I think everything goes back to the home. I have a very, a very amazing mother, worked multiple jobs, super conservative, super hardworking, super principled. That really instilled in me, you know, you're not going to change things in the world unless you put the work in, unless you speak for yourself. I think that really instilled in me. I'm very, I'm very faithful. I'm Catholic. You know, I think there really is a need nowadays more than ever to promote the truth and stay true to God. I mean, you're seeing, you know, the number of people who are atheists, the number of, of kids who are confused and depressed is just through the roof. And I really think there is a need to focus on universal truth and really stay true to God. And so I pray a lot. And I really think that motivates me. And I've always just been a curious person. I've always cared about the truth. I've always wanted to research. I've always wanted to find out what is actually going on here. And so I think all those things in tandem, but really, I think it goes back to the home. I think if you have loving, amazing parents or a parent in my case, um, you're, you know, you have a good chance of doing well in life. And I think that's hopefully so far, at least the case, my, you know, my case. So. Well, Daniel, you, you, you uh, help reestablish my, my hope in the next generation in a, in a lot of ways. And, I, and the thing is, I know there's a lot mm-hmm. more young men out there like yourselves, but they don't, they, you don't hear from them, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, so they're, they're there, they're kind of hiding and they're kind of waiting for the, maybe the pendulum to swing back. And I hope you're kind of the tip of the spear of making that happen. If you guys want to follow him, do uh, you can track this story, the trajectory here at real D Schmidt on Twitter is a great mm-hmm. place. And then down below, he has a link tree that leads you to his, his paper, his work, the things that he's contributing to um, uh, follow this young man. Uh, if these, if, if, if he's the antithesis or the opposite of some of the things that, that, uh, get your blood boiling uh, today, then you need to throw mm-hmm. some some sunshine and some light on on people that are doing the right thing that are on the right That's side. Right. So That's exactly we'd love right. to have you back again. I, I, I love this story. I love what you're doing and uh, you're very inspiring. Where are your hard-earned dollars going? Are they going to fund the deep state or are they going to fund the kingdom? And you know where you stand with a guy like Mike Liddell and mypillow.com. And not only is he a great guy and he supports great causes, he makes the best 
products in the he world does. With in his categories. Yeah, 10 year warranties on their products. My favorite product when you go to mypillow.com and you put the promo code flyover right at the top, you get up to 66% off. Right now, they're running a special on the slippers. They are my very favorite. I know I've talked about it many times, but these slippers are absolutely amazing. It is like she doesn't a hug leave the house without them hardly for your feet. In fact, a lot of times I'll put them in my purse. So if I'm wearing heels or something and my feet start hurting, I'll put on my slippers. They have this great bottom on them too, uh, that makes it really nice, and that they're not going to get ruined when you do go outside. And you know what? Every time you spend a dollar, you're voting. You're voting in a big way. Let's support Mike Lindell. He's supporting you. He's supporting our country. Let's support him. For more great content, go to flyoverconservatives.com.